This podcast is rated M for Mature by the Outer National Council of Fellows. Babies, consider yourselves advised. Also, this podcast discusses game characters, plot lines, and design owned by their respective developers and publishers. Please support their games. This is Jacob here again, um, introducing this week's show because, again, we have some special circumstances. First thing I want to hit you with is the fact that, yes, David's audio is still meh. I tried something different this time. Kind of sounds like a telephone call now. Um, Overall, don't expect great quality, but I hope you can still bear to listen to him. Um, Because we had a lot of fun in this episode. In other news, next week might be a little bit of a different download. This week uh, I made it on Tuesday, as I've been doing. Um, But next week, in light of uh, Thanksgiving and everything, this week we're going to be airing a filler episode that we recorded previously, actually. Um, so we hope you enjoy that. It's going to be getting away from Red Dead Redemption, and it's just really going to be us hanging out, talking about the games that we're into right now, aside from Red Dead, of course. Um, so I hope you'll join us for that, and if not, then we'll be back to Red Dead Redemption in two weeks from now. Thanks. Enjoy. Uh, Marco. Polo. 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 Marco. Marco. Polo. Polo. Marco. 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 Polo. 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 Marco. Polo. David. Marco. David fucking up. I just didn't hear him the past few seconds. <laughs> he just gave it up on life. Oh no. Poor David. Alright. Um, welcome everybody to episode 6 of the game... Game Stories Reloaded. <laughs> Go ahead and say it for me, David. Yeah, David, you're good at it. Hi guys, welcome. This is episode six of uh, Game Stories Reloaded. You know, here with chill levels, you know. Right, Jake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm your first host from the uh, grand state of Ohio, um, and I love Buckeyes, which is not to say that I love nuts, but I do love. And I'm your secondary host from the mountains in Colorado, the mountain man Chris, and I love me curly mustaches. Things are great. I got some for you. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Man. Well, 
This is your third host right here, David, all the way from California, you know, representing. I'm more of a <laughs> classic mustache man than the curly, uh-huh. but you know, I gotta respect, I gotta respect. Also, we live in a post-Red Dead 2 world, guys, how does that feel? Oh, it feels good. Don't have it yet, but on my to-get list. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to be very prepared to play the story of Red Dead 2. Though I'm ready to throw the Cowboy Simulator, though, because I'm, I'm all in on that. Cowboy <laughs> Simulator 2018. Yeah, I know we're talking about the first game, but guys, it, matters what, it actually matters what you're wearing in that game. Like, you can't really rob people. Really? Oh, yeah, like, you can't rob people with the same clothes and the same horse because people would recognize you by your horse because of course they'd recognize you by your horse a man only rides just one just get off horse. your horse every time just, just never get on your horse when you're robbing people mm-hmm. then you have your horse available all over the place it's better good. you just take a random horse and just go in I mean so if you just ride a different horse but you're the same man they won't recognize you well obviously I also think you would change your outfit uh, Shoot, why don't we just ride uh, cows in? Yeah, because I just watched this little in-depth thing where this kind of like, I'm trying to rob people, not failing. But then it's like, then I realized, the game re- realizes that the AI is smart enough to recognize who you are by your clothing, which is why you have to change your outfits, and then even change your horse, because, you know, Wild West, you were, you were known by your horse. Because most people just rode a horse, a single horse. But then we didn't really change it up. True, true. That, that was cool. But anyway, we should yeah. go back to the first game. That does suck. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Well, last week, which... At this point, we're actually releasing podcast episodes by episode. Instead of a bundle of, like, fucking three episodes like I did when we launched. But, uh... Last week, we, uh... We had successfully raided the fort at, um... Mercer. Mercer. Fort Mercer. <laughs> we successfully raided Fort Mercer, and we found no sign of Bill Williamson. So we're headed down south to our favorite uh, little nation. Uh, <laughs> we got to find our friendo Irish, and uh, that's where our adventure begins, and our next six chapters will take us through the countryside of Mexico. Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. Marston basically heads to the edge of the country, off to a little boat where he finds a good friend, Irish, preparing a road for him, and then Dickens, which kind of sends me when I think about it, because, you know, John Marston did say at the end of Fort Mercer, hey guys, I'm peacing out, and I figured there'd be a, like a bigger, like, good farewell party, because, you know, he's not going to get back for any time soon, but, you know, 
all you have is your man Dickens and Irish who's going with you, so it kind of sucks. <laughs> no more only cares for much today, guess. Like, none of you have Buddy. Buddy's just Buddy. He even didn't even show up to say goodbye. <laughs> well, I do have to say, I've never been partial to Marston myself, so who can blame him? <laughs> this is true. Well, you know... You know, Mr. Sasa, basically, you're getting on the boat, and then, you know, you're only, I guess, your only true friend, Mr. Dickens, giving you a humble goodbye, saying good day, good sir. It was great to work with you. It was fun swindling people. I would go off to greater pastures, and, you know, Mars was like, well, where are you going to go? And he was like, I don't know, maybe it's Paris. You know, I'll go off somewhere in Europe. And, you know, John Mars was just like, yeah, all right. Just, just don't get yourself killed. But, you know. To each his own, you know, I'll see you later, maybe. And, you know, that's when uh, Irish Space is like, alright, let's go. And he, he, he kind of like, we board his boat, which is kind of a, a shanty little boat because it's legit a piece of wood on the water. And, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I would like to suggest calling it a fairy. Really, just call it a raft, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> I believe one would call this a ferry since it's got like the rope connecting either side of the river and everything else. <laughs> but, uh, True, I guess, because you say you know the simplicity of it is that you just go from one end to the other. But you know, when 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 I just go off, you know, I'll probably look at around the, the little ferry. I'm just noticing there's a ton of ammo, and I'm just like, oh, gee, I wonder what's gonna happen. <laughs> well, it's just a reloading spot so that when you get to Mexico, you can free roam all you want. This is true. Well, upon basically just barely going halfway through the, the you know, the, through the, this grand little river, you know. But some Mexicans start coming out of nowhere and start firing upon Marston and Irish. And I think they actually cut the rope. Yep, they cut enough. the rope, Temple of Doom style. Mm-hmm. Dang. So, uh, so yeah, the uh, and Irish are basically left up to God, because I don't think there's any, like, oars or any form of just maneuverability on this raft. Nope. You are floating all the way over to the end of the river. Basically, which we questioned uh, kind of for me like, both, because I was like, man, this, this, this little, like, fairy is, like, Security going down the river and like not stopping at certain points where I figured it would stop. But you know, as you go down, you know, uh, <laughs> you start firing on all these little, all these uh, Mexican bandidos, I assume, as they start, you know, yelling at you and cursing at you and basically telling you to die. And then, you know, Marston reports to, 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 to Irish, like, what happened? I thought you knew these people. And Irish is just like, I do! I think I do. And such a thing is like, oh, I know the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> As I was just saying, he's one of the ladies men in, in Mexico, I guess. As he, he goes frequently to all the bars and, you know, I guess captures all the Mexican ladies from this country. But again, captures their hearts, to be clear. Doesn't, like, imprison them, right? <laughs> oh, good. He, as he says, he melts their brown eyes and their stony look just sizzles up into some, uh, I guess, some intimacy there, but I'm not really too sure. Irish is, a, I guess, a big love <laughs> machine in, in Mexico. Oh, yeah. That's what I was getting. 
<laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's, it's such a reflective start. He's like, oh, I think I might also owe a lot of money. But I'm not too sure about that, Marston. It's like, I drink a lot, so I don't, I don't really remember. <laughs> and Marston's just like, well, I don't doubt that. And basically, this whole scene is just a cover-and-shoot mechanic, basically, down the river. It's pretty remarkable how sturdy, like, the little uh, boxes yeah, and the little raft. sides of the raft are, because they took a lot of bullets. Yeah, oh, man, they also took some dynamite. Yeah, I was wondering what that was, actually. There was a point where you passed, like, a very edge of a large cliff and then I just see someone just chucking things over and I'm like what are those? And then explosions. But, yeah, dynamite. I totally forgot that there was dynamite because in my mind I was just thinking like they were grenades. So I was like what's going on? What the heck blew up? <laughs> Alright, so um, when you get to that point when they're throwing dynamite I am convinced that Irish is a god or something because uh, when that happened, a thing of dynamite hit him, blew him up, and then he caught on fire and was rolling on the ground screaming for, like, a solid 15 seconds. And then on the oh next segment, God. though, he just kind of, like, stands up and he's like, oh, look, there's more enemies over the edge, or over on the ridge. He's, like, all casual about it, even though he was just burning <laughs> a couple seconds ago. Uh, he was the ultimate godly coward. Which reminds me, this little specific quote um, Irish says while we're like in the middle, midway through, where he's just like, I came in fighting, I'm going out fighting. And I was just like, Irish, you've not picked up a gun. I legitimately <laughs> went doing the fighting here. <laughs> and I have to give props to Marston, man. The man is made out of, his, I don't know, pure metal or something, because the only cover you have is the size of the raft. So, and then most times when you're going towards the cliff, the enemies are already there, so they just start shooting you from the side. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Marston, we took, like, more than, like, 30 bullets to the side, and Phil was just pulling it, just going through like a champ. Yeah, I, I mean, normally Rockstar gives you a, a healthy supply, but I think this time they probably, like, doubled your health at least. Mm-hmm. But, you know, aside from the uh, rail the rail shooting section of uh, of the ferry, you know, after a good, like, I'd say, like, five minutes, or, or, yeah, <laughs> five minutes, Essentially. just like yeah. five minutes, just, just floating on down the river, the, the ferry finally lands, um, comfortably upon this spot, but before you enter that spot, there's at least these two enemies on horseback that show up, and, you know, you, you deal with them pretty quickly, and, you know, the horses are there for the picking, so, you know. Nice. Yeah, luckily enough, you know, it was my chance that they also had a war horse, you know. You know, I don't know how, but, you know, I was blessed to see my war horse, a Mexican yeah. war horse hear me, you know. But, you know, it, it's quite intriguing, though, because once you get off the ferry, you know, Irish gives his little, like, oh, thank God we're on land kind of spiel. And then he proceeds to go to the horses, and, uh, oh, and I guess the good old Irish fashion, he's just like, oh, these are really strong and young horses were blessed and even he begins to cut the fear on one of the horses and you know straight up changes the camera angle where we can see the the, the, the man's of the horse you know and for a good two seconds you know I, that shocked me because I kind of forgot about that and then Marston's just like oh, oh, oh boy uh, 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 yeah, okay <laughs> you done there 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty gnarly because you see the horse even like shift uncomfortably yeah. when Iris just grabs a handful. And uh, I did some investigating after this point. I was like, what? I didn't remember that they modeled that on the bottom of the horses. Yeah. I don't think it's on any other horse. I think it's just in that cutscene. But, interesting fact, Red Dead 2 does have fully modeled genitalia on the horses. So <laughs> if you want that, the sequel's out. Yep. Apparently it does. It's that attention to detail that makes a game. Yeah, I needed my horse nuts. <laughs> but, uh, did you also catch Irish's nickname that oh, was given yes. to him? Oh, yes, I totally forgot that slipped my mind. Yeah, during the rail section... You know, he talks about how popular it is. Even though we're getting shot by these men, he says, the, the, the locals call me El Gato. It means cat, you know, because I'm so sneaky. And John, knowing a little bit of Spanish, laughs and's like, no, I'm pretty sure El Rato means rat, Irish. And he's like, you know what? But that's quite befitting. It's a lot better than Irish. <laughs> yeah, he likes having a nickname that is kind of like an illusion or something rather than just the straight up what he is, I guess. But mm-hmm. still, <laughs> El Rato, I think it's pretty much a straight-up descriptor for him. Mm-hmm. He kind of uh, gives us an idea of what he probably was doing when he was in Mexico. Yeah. Rato? I don't speak Spanish. I know, like, El Gato and stuff like that. Did not know El Rato, but it it almost seemed to me like it wasn't really Spanish. Like, they were just saying rat and putting an L on it, but is it is it legit Spanish for rat? Eh, no. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Technically, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, that was a fun little tidbit to know about Irish, you know. If ever John wants mm-hmm. to see him in the future, you know, call him El Rato. But, you know, upon getting to your horses, you know, John basically asks, hey, what am I supposed to do here? Do you actually know people? Because... If there are more people like those that shot us, so I don't think I'm well off in this country. And I begin to reminisce and think about his past here. And he, he remembers when he was drunk, there was this American, he believes. He wasn't too sure. He was up in Chupo Rosa. Remember, he shot a man. He had a drink with him. He had a good old time. But then he, he thinks again, and he says, oh, maybe it's Canada. Maybe it was Canada. <laughs> you know, maybe John Larson, the basically... He's giving him nothing, basically, other than probably Chuparosa. But he tells, he tells him, you can try to find the governor, you know, or the colonel or something, Spanish name. Uh, he's based out of uh, Escalera. You know, he's telling them, uh, he, he used to play a card game with them. He, did, he didn't remember whether it was three cards or four cards, but he forgets. All he knows is he's a, he's a real nice guy, he's a real bastard. So, you know, giving John really nothing to go on. But, you know, he thanks him, he's like, well, I hope you do well, and John Marston immediately can tell that you know, Irish seems to be on his way and doesn't seem to be coming back anytime soon. And Irish saddles up on his horse and says, it mentions how he's not really famous for hospitality, you know, he's off to greener pastures, and, you know, he wishes John good luck, you know, you know, for being such an angry, sick, ugly man. He's not a bad one, for an American at least. And, you know, there we see 
good old Irish riding off to the sunset, never to be seen again, or mm. so to be known, at least. I don't know why. I, I had the urge when he left to, you know, to try to see if I could dead him, but, you know, I thought I I actually said the most nothing in this game. Oh, man, but Irish is my favorite character. I know, he's my too, but he's just done the most nothing to just like. I don't think getting him on that ferry. So after that, you know, you sat all up on your horse, and you start to ride alongside what is now Mexico, which is a sharp contrast to what we're used to in Armadillo and just America in general, because you feel like it's a lot more nature still in control in Mexico as you start to run alongside you still see the um, wildlife more prominent compared to America yeah. and it's quite yeah. interesting to just ride along just along the riverside and just kind of feel the new theme as it plays and then quite interesting which I kind of forgot um, this is where Rockstar decided that they would implement one of uh, a song of Mighty, uh, a song that I just totally forgot. But I ended up looking it up called, a song called Far Away by Jose Gonzalez, which honestly is a beautiful, like it's just a beautiful piece to add to the soundtrack of this game. And really kind of yeah, helps yes. usher in the player into the next chapter of Red Dead Redemption. Really, it really kind of just shows that, you know, America was kind of like, it was kind of easy, but now we're in uncharted territory and that, you know, this is something new and it's basically look how big Red Dead is and have fun exploring Mexico basically and it's just honestly kind of jaw dropping just riding your horse throughout the entire you know this entire just section all the way to whatever the next mission would be but you know I, I would end up going to Chupa Rosa so you know but I don't know I'm curious yeah. like what did, what did you guys feel when you when you know the, the song started to play and you were just riding you really take it yeah. all in or well uh first off i want to say that yeah i definitely was enjoying riding around um kind of that like quasi canyon area where the river had kind of carved away at some of the stone mm -hmm. and just made like these beautiful rock formations and like the limestone all the different variations and colors um but I was cantering like for a couple minutes while just listening listening to that song. My horse was like going real slow, and I was just enjoying following a winding path mm -hmm. as it was sloping up and down. But uh, I was wondering, David, since you looked it up, can you sing the song for us? Can you, uh... <laughs> oh man, David, let us hear that beautiful singing voice of yours. Oh my God! Okay, this is on the spot. Pull up the lyrics. David or Chris, tell us how did you feel upon entering Mexico? Yeah, I really liked the the feel of Mexico. It really got that like uh, you know the feel you get from a Western movie. It, it felt like the opening credits to that, where you have. Like a cowboy riding along in the desert, you have the music behind him, and it was really just a nice scene overall. I really liked it. It was enjoyable. I'm, I'm glad a third of the way into the game, it finally reminded you of a western. <laughs> well, I mean, like a movie western, yeah, like uh -huh. the opening to a movie. This is sure, yeah, true. it was very cinematic. Yeah, 
Frontier. That that's that's what I was thinking of. Frontier. Yeah, Western. the Frontier Western. Sure. I'm yeah. Yeah. Head, so sorry. exactly going into what David was talking about with it being more natural, a little bit more wild. Yeah. 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 Instead of like uh, the opening in Armadillo, where you're in a town already and there's civilization yeah, everywhere, and it's full of life. But yet, mm-hmm. Mexico is still like not like it's uncivilized, but it's still just. It's still got that wild west aspect. Mm -hmm. Emphasis on the wild. All right, David. You got it? You don't have to have the tune at all. I know, I just looked up, I listened to the tune for a second, because I was just like, oh, man. I can't even think of it. Kill it. Kill it, destroy it. All right, get ready for me to butcher this so hard. Uh All right. Why? Okay. You've sung the goodbye song, David. Right. Yeah, David. Very, so, I'm very monotone, but I don't think I got that type of tone he has in the voice. But all right. Sing it in Irish's voice. Oh man, stay in front of a runaway train just to feel alive again pushing forward through the night's aching chest and blurry sight it's so I'm gonna have to bump the volume up on this so yeah. high so <laughs> far away so far away so far away cold wind blowing into my skin can't still leave the station in so far away what is my drink? can I have a drink? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right, so we're riding along the uh, kind of shore of this river, going through these winding uh, paths alongside the canyon, taking in the picturesque views of our new landscape in Mexico. When we uh, ride a little bit further inland to Chuparosa. And in Chuparosa, we, we ride in towards this yellow X marker for the next mission marked with an LR. <sighs> Who could this be? We don't know. It must... Must be one of the two people that Irish let us know about. But uh, Marston goes ahead and rides into the city of Chuparosa, and it's got this. Uh, what what did I <laughs> what did I say that I had found out that these building styles are? Adobe. Was it? Adobe. Yes. Um, not the Adobe Acrobat that we're all familiar with now. But the uh, kind of the Western Adobe style building, uh, also Southern, just generally humid area environments. Um, and we walk into the center of town, and Marston doesn't know exactly who he's looking for, just like we don't know who he's looking for. But uh, instead of finding somebody, three amigos find him. And uh, poor Marston, just trying to find his way down in this southern country. And these three men are speaking to each other in Spanish. They've got sombreros on. They've got some 
nice loose clothing. They look pretty comfortable in their environment. And uh, they address him and they're like, Hey, gringo! Which, to me, when I first played this game, was a brand new word. <laughs> and uh, I found out its meaning was not always in the kindest of contexts, but generally just talking to a foreigner to uh, Mexico. So they say, hey, gringo. And uh, they ask him if he speaks Spanish. They're like, oh, habla espanol? And then uh, Marston responds in kind. No, habla uh, un poquito. Habla uh, inglés. Uh, the three amigos, as I'm calling them, one of them just kind of paces back and forth, sides and Marston up, and he says, Si, habla inglés, and uh, starts pacing around Marston and says, Habla Kuanan de Cab, <laughs> habla uh, refried beans, habla. Pumpkin pie. Only he's saying instead of standard American things, he's saying standard American insults hurled against Mexicans at the time and even sometimes still now. And uh, it's very harsh. I think Marston gets the idea because he knows what habla means and he totally knows every American word these guys are saying. Or English word. American, English, same language. <laughs> and uh, this amigo just kind of finishes this statement of all of these slurs he knows. And he's like, we don't, we don't want you here, bro. This isn't your country. Marston responds, ah, I don't want to be here long. And uh, the amigos are like, what you want? <laughs> Very demanding. And uh, Marston isn't intimidated. He's just like, I just want to go home to my family. I'm sure you guys have families. Uh, let's, let's live another day so we can go home and kiss our beautiful wives and pat our children on the heads, mess up their hair. And uh, this, this amigo that's been addressing us so far is just... He's he's not ready to quit just yet. He says, "Sure, you know, like that's that's all right. We can go home, but uh, first, I need a little bit of Texas, because <laughs> you Americans like your Texas, and uh, I got a big family." And Marston's like, "Yep, yeah, me too." Which is why we need to go home and see our families. I feel like this is redundant. <laughs> And mm -hmm. the amigo's like, mm. ah, and then amigo number two sneaks up from behind Marston and snatches his hat. This is an insult that will not go unpunished, I assure you. But Marston stands by and watches this uh, chuckling, chubby uh, amigo man. <laughs> <laughs> I already sound like I'm falling into races. <laughs> um, it's just what he was. Uh, he, he starts 
wearing Marston's hat, mocking him, kind of doing wide strides like he's an American cowboy or something. And the the other two amigos are giggling at this. And uh, the one that's been kind of insulting us and intimidating us this whole time, it's like, hey, so uh, the taxes you got to pay is those two fine boots. Hand them over. Marston seems to give in. Bends down to one knee. He spits on his shoe a little bit, rubs it a little bit. He's like, hmm, Bessie, you look good, but this is going to be our last day in paradise together. And then before he takes it off, he takes his revolver from his holster, and for me it's golden revolver, so gorgeous, <laughs> and goes up to the first man with his revolver point blank in his face, bang next man bang and then the man with his hat he thinks better of it he's like no I'm not gonna headshot him cause he's got my hat on right in the gut <laughs> the man doubles over pukes up a little bit of blood Marston takes his hat before he uh, falls down to the ground and then kinda kicks him down shoots him a little bit more empties like a whole ten rounds into him takes a Takes a piece of dynamite, sticks it in his belt, <laughs> lights it, walks away. Oh, well, um, you don't take a man's hat. <laughs> no. You don't take a man's hat. You know, I, we... <laughs> I was going to say a little, uh, little detail. I don't know if you noticed. Was, uh, the third guy who, before he shot him in the gut, guy still his hat. You know, upon realizing his, his amigos are dead, he realizes death is coming to him. He, he gives a little, he gives a little cross side, showing that he's, uh, I guess, a Catholic boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not notice that. Yeah, he sides with his, his right hand before you shoot him in the gut, because you're, he knows he's gonna meet his maker. And yeah, we just pray that these Mexican men, you know, they ended up on the better side of the afterlife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with these three amigos conquered by uh, our protagonist, if you can call him that, um, there's a shadowy figure that has been watching from one of the porches of the buildings nearby. And uh, he's got a similar cowboy hat to our own. He stands up and he strides over to Marston and uh, we see his face for the first time. A shadowy figure reveals himself to be Landon Ricketts, good old big old man, the third of the Mustache Brethren. Landon Ricketts is a very simple, lanky old guy. He's got his hair grown out down to his shoulders. He's got his thick mustache and a goatee growing out. His cowboy hat's kind of a bit old, you know. It's not, it's not the modern cowboy hat of the 1900s, but you know kind of a last century kind of cowboy hat. It's just this nice blue coat attire and a button-up, you know. Very civilized man, you know, in Mexico, comparatively. But, you know, mm. Landon Ricketts, a man of many mysteries that we'll soon to begin to understand who this man is, and a possible legend. Mm. This man is the slimmest of our mustachio boys. He's a little stringy for my tastes. But he does walk up, and uh, I'm going to 
give him my best accent, which he doesn't sound like at all, but he goes, Good shit. Kill peasants. Help politics. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Kill peasants. Become a peasant. Hmm? Sounds good to me. I don't care. Socialism. <laughs> uh, actually, I hate politics, so I ain't in, I ain't big into that socialism. No Bernie Sanders for me. Well, shit. Don't know why you're here, but you want to train with me? Hell yeah. <laughs> and that's essentially how that scene between the two of them goes. <laughs> then, uh, oh, before they go to train together, Landon Ricketts taking Marston under his wing, uh, Landon Ricketts gives him a bit of a background check. He's like, you got parents? Nah, I don't have parents. America! Fuck yeah! And then they shake hands <laughs> over three dead Mexican bodies, and then they walk out of town to have a good time as the camera slowly pans and lingers on these three dead Mexicans that were killed over a hat <laughs> and boots, to be fair. Um, so now we see these two gentlemen outside, Marston and Landon Ricketts, and... They've got a bunch of glasses, glass bottles lined up against the outer perimeter wall of uh, Chupa Rosa. I was going to say Chupacabra. Uh, <laughs> different things. Clearly. And uh, Marston, you know, he's, he's pretty much getting it. He's only about 10 feet away from these bottles. Uh, lining his revolver up with each and blasting them away. But he, he takes his time. He lines it up, which, if I'm going to be honest, it's way slower than the auto-aim that I've been using this entire game. Yeah, I was about to mention that actually earlier in the earlier scene as well with the three little amigos. He seems to be very, like, sloppy at firing his gun and aiming when the <laughs> actual gameplay is kind of just like a snap, release, snap, release, snap, release. <laughs> right. They made Marston look very much like he was focusing on every single shot and maybe it's just so that Landon Ricketts can basically just be uh, a little bit insulting of our <laughs> abilities like oh you kind of suck bro yeah, um, I gotta get or, on my level man when I was in my day I would have whooped you right and uh, I, I guess he would sound more like Puh, decent who are you? <laughs> and Marcy's your like, name? I'm nobody. How about you? Well, I'm nobody, too. Uh, but I'm also Landon Ricketts. Don't tell us. <gasps> really? I knew you as a child. Yeah, famous for killing. I was like the Flash, fastest man in the West. So, what are you doing these days? Waiting. I guess. How about you? 
Marston's like, I'm looking for a man named Bill Williamson. Also, a Mr. Javier Escuela. You seen these types around? And Landon Ricketts is like, well, we've seen, uh, we've seen these types all around. I mean, Mexico is home to a bunch of fugitives, rebels, and such. There's kind of a civil war going on, so, uh, you can blend in pretty much anywhere, because everybody wants to kill everybody. Uh, also, not making it much better, the only government and military we have around here is a colonel who kind of acts like he's big shit, but he's not. <laughs> so, right then and there, we get Landon Ricketts' political views. I would say he doesn't see himself responsible for anything that's going on, which is probably a good stance for an American in a foreign country. Um, <laughs> but then Lennon, he goes ahead and gives us the Schofield revolver, and he basically just tells us that we got better, and then we get better at Deadeye. <laughs> and uh, now all of a sudden we can actually choose what targets we want in Deadeye and when to log on to them. So he takes us over to this overhang where we've got kind of this tile roof jutting out from the um, adobe perimeter wall. And there's these huge vultures on top. And Landon tells us that uh, the city has a little bit of a bird problem. Um, I don't know if it's the city that has the bird problem or if it's just this one shingle roof. But he goes ahead and tells us to test out our dead eye on about 20 birds that just fly out from this crap and I immediately lock on to like five of them and it says I have to kill three and uh I guess it was fortunate for me that it was only three because only four of my shots or only I only hit four different birds with five of my shots I should say because they kind of flew in similar flight patterns and overlapped. And the game doesn't really uh, give you magical, like, hits on things that are now behind objects. Like, it slows down time for you to target, but not for the actual shooting. So, uh, I feel pretty accomplished. I've ended the bird problem. And, I mean, Landon Ricketts starts walking away already, except for two things. One, I'm still killing birds. And two, Landon Ricketts forgot how to walk away. <laughs> because my Landon Ricketts immediately began walking in circles and kept doing that for about a minute and a half until I ran at him as fast as I could and eventually got him out of his circuit. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, we, we start walking back into town, and Landon expounds a little bit more on his legend. He's like, oh, man, I can't believe you've heard of me. Wow, <laughs> I must be some good shit. And Marston confirms. He's like, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty good shit. I love that. Landon's uh, betting that he's still the fastest in the West. Maybe not, like, got all the most kills, maybe not the most threatening, but... Everybody else who was near as fast as he was is long dead by now. And uh, Marston <laughs> gives him a skeptical look. I don't know about that. 
I don't know. I just learned some good dead eye skills. I bet I'm faster. So we finally bump him. Uh, oh wait, no, I already said that shit. Uh, <laughs> we walk into town and we're passing the bank, and it's a, it's kind of a quaint bank. It fits in with the rest of the town, and nothing's too run down here, but certainly nothing is new. Uh, a man comes rushing out of the bank yelling at Landon and he's like oh shit Landon we got we got this bank cart it got all held up uh can you be our savior again and go ahead and like liberate that shit for us Landon agrees and Marston's like well shit I might as well come along never been a savior before so all of a sudden we went from cold-blooded killer to savior and I'm glad <laughs> that we made that uh, jump in character development so quickly. We go ahead and we head out from town. And uh, we see this bank cart, this bank wagon, with three bandidos around it. One clutching around the neck of our hostage. And uh, the game tells us to go ahead and knock them out. But to watch out for the hostage or else the... Uh, mission will be failed so i go ahead and charge my horse directly at these three men who were standing on the ground without horses and uh pop that bad boy into dead eye just as i'm passing them and i lock on to all of their backs and take them all down simultaneously fortunately the game doesn't track <laughs> like how far bullets would go through bodies so the man who's being held hostage doesn't get pierced from that round that hit the man who was standing immediately behind him. He uh, he mounts up, and we start riding back to town. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty much uh, run-of-the-mill on the way back. There are a few more enemies that are camping out in the rocks, run right at them, gun them down. And uh, we get back into town. That, that guy who asks for help was pretty thankful. And the man that we saved uh, starts thanking Landon Ricketts in Spanish. And I can't translate. So <laughs> he said probably like, dude, sweet, thanks. And Landon Ricketts, in response, classily, says, you don't have to pay me in anything except for whiskey. Because I love me some whiskey. That's our first day in Chuparosa. And Mexico for that matter. Mm-hmm. Alright. So yeah, after meeting up with that legendary man, we uh have Marcin go up to the villa in Escalera to talk to the colonel he's been hearing about. But uh before he gets to that villa he gets intercepted by a group of three Mexican soldiers. Two of them wearing a gray uniform, and one of them wearing, like, a darker blue uniform. And the one wearing the blue uniform is like, Hey, what do you want, Mr. Man? And Marston responds, Well, I want to talk to your leader, because I got some questions. And a little bit of dialogue goes in between them, and it's like, Where the officer guy or yeah the leader of the trio is like you want to talk to my boss gringo Mars is like 
I guess. And then in response, because I'm not good enough for you? Marsons is like, no, sir. And then he gets really mad and says, you think you're better than me? And this, Marston finally apologizes. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't, I didn't mean to insult you or anything. Um, but, uh, the trio then gets all threatening and looks like they're ready to shoot him. The two guys behind him get their rifles in their hands and they're all menacing. Marston looks slightly, uh, afraid of this. But then they just start laughing. It's all a good time. And he gets welcomed to Mexico. Welcomed to Mexico. Um, and so, yeah, the guy in blue offers to get Marston some food, some drink, and then they can talk inside the little uh, place in there, in that villa area. Um, and then we learn who he is during this conversation. Mm. Yes, a Mexican man wearing the darkest blue I've ever seen. So dark. It might even be black. Oh, man, was it black? <laughs> it looks black to me, but I'm not sure. Maybe I'm blue, colorblind. I don't know. I, I went up there at night, so I couldn't see too well. Oh, yeah, that would make it look blue. Um, This is the man of little legend. Many people don't even tell his legends because they don't like the stories they hear. But it's Capitan Vincente de Santa. Uh, maybe I said that right. Maybe I did. Uh, he's he's got sweeping brown, long, straight hair that he kind of you can imagine him flipping over to the side every once in a while like a skater boy, and uh, his his features are very rough. I, I, I've heard people compare him <laughs> to George Lopez. So if you want to basically just picture George Lopez with a two o'clock shadow and a pointy nose instead of like a bulbous, rubbery nose. And uh, he also definitely has a little bit of a lazy eye. But this man is very strict, very by the book. He's very military. But at the same time, he just wants to be friends with somebody because <laughs> he's kind of an asshole. Uh, so he's, he's one of those guys. You know the type. He wants to have friends. He acts like you're all his friends. But then he doesn't help you uh, with groceries when you come home. You're like, hey, man, I got too much. Can you help me out? And Vicente de Santa says... Fuck that shit. I'm going to go play on my PlayStation Vita. That's right. He also has a PlayStation Vita. Fuck that guy. What's wrong with the Vita? Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so Mr. DeSanta here uh, begins to get into a discourse with Marston. And he tells him about the state of the country. He's like, Marston. My country is in pain from rebels, and my leader, Colonel Allende, 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 Allende. Yep. But yeah. So nailed it. Exactly. So uh, yeah, he says 
uh, Colonel Ayunde is uh, doing his best to preserve order in this uh, civil war in Mexico. And, um, like, so they discussed how he's kind of doing bad things, so people don't really like him because he's uh, screwing with the natural order and, like, uh, being kind of a dick overall. So, uh, to defend his, his leader, uh, DeSantis says, Sometimes in the service of what is right, you do terrible things. But Marson's just like, Mane, I ain't a politician or a moralist, so I don't give two shits about what's happening in this country or your reasonings for doing it. I just want to find my guys. And Santa's like, well, shit. All right. Um, if you help us with this trap, that we have set up uh, to capture the rebel leader Abraham Reyes, then I'll give you the information you want. And Marson's like, all right, there we go. That sounds more like I want to do, because fuck politics. And so uh, on the way to the uh, trap, we uh, have a bit of more discourse about the state of Mexico. Um, and essentially, the Mexican government is uh, feared by the people because it's super oppressive under the current leadership and especially from like Colonel Allende Allende I can't I, I don't know what to say for that one still um, but uh, DeSanta is really into this guy he's like oh he's the best I love this man he's doing all he can all of the stuff he's doing is right these rebels they just can't work that's what it is they don't want to work under under this leader so yeah, they're, they're, they're the ones in the wrong, not us. Mm. But Marson's just not having this. He's like, you know, maybe these rebels are fighting for their freedom, like, you know, uh, Americans. And DeSantis is like, hey, hey, fuck you, and fuck your freedom, man. So that basically goes on for the majority of the uh, ride over to the uh, trap that they have set. Um but, uh, oh yeah, we also learn a little bit about the re rebel leader, which uh, is a bit surprising. Uh, we don't actually see him in this, but uh, apparently he's a wealthy man who's leading the rebels against the, like, I don't know, dictatorship essentially is going on. So that's a bit surprising, honestly. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts about that, honestly? Because, I don't know, do you, do you think the rebel leader is going to be a, like, a nice guy because he's in a position of power already kind of helping out the lower people against the dictators or is he just kind of do you think he's just doing it for personal gain well um i'm gonna say two things uh first i've finished the game so i kind of know i don't remember super well but i pretty sure i know what's going on um one thing i will say is a lot of what Red Dead Redemption does with these dialogues that you have with all of these very different characters from different backgrounds, they have a lot of, like, almost unreliable narrators, <laughs> uh, which, are you guys familiar with an unreliable narrator? Yeah, uh, you might want to describe it, though, just right. in case yeah. listeners don't know. I mean, it's basically in the name, it's a pretty descriptive name, but, uh, an unreliable narrator would be somebody who's telling you events as they're happening, 
um, in kind of a biased form. So they they tell you what they want you to know. Um, they tell you the way that they feel about things, and it can often you know misconstrue the real facts um, in favor of something that you know they want to believe. Um, in this in this era of people calling things fake news, some people would also argue that there are some uh, unreliable narrators out in the news world as well. So that kind of provides you more some more perspective. But uh, yeah, Vincente de Santa is definitely the type of character that likes to. He's telling you some background information about things that are going on in Mexico, but they've got that lens um, of bias that's obviously favoring the military and overlooking some of the things that they're doing. But um, as far as it comes to this guy, he's pretty much telling you the truth. He's definitely, you know, scorning it. He's laughing at this fact that the rebel leader is like some rich guy who's kind of doing the rebellion almost as a hobby maybe um and i i think if i remember right it does generally play that way that he's kind of more privileged than a rebel leader should be <laughs> mm-hmm. but also at other times that's been important in history is when a rebel leader has more power socially yeah uh, do you have any thoughts, David? No, really, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think just, you guys got it. <laughs> you guys right. bark. Alrighty, let's get back to the uh, story of Marston then. Um, so yeah, we arrive at the uh, site of the trap uh, that Santa has set up, and essentially the idea of this trap is that there's going to be a train that runs, and it's going to act like a supply train, but in reality it has no supplies and just a bunch of soldiers waiting on it with you, uh, Marston, um, and DeSanta riding alongside, taking out any rebels that try to attack the train. Mm-hmm. And so this trap gets set into motion, and we are then ambushed by a bunch of rebels on horses from either side of the train. And for this, it's pretty uh, much like every other shooting section we've done. <laughs> Just either snap aim them uh-huh. or dead eye aim them and slaughter them all in one go mm-hmm. <laughs> before they even have a chance to shoot, pretty much. Can I um, ask, Chris? Yes. This time, since we're doing mounted combat again, did you hold on to aim to try and just let the horse get do its stuff and then shoot people yeah no i'm not brave enough for that not on horseback <laughs> fighting other horses if like against uh, other people in this section uh, that are on foot i tried it it did not go well i kind of just like ran at them and like i don't know control like I'm, I'm playing on playstation so the controller is just not working well for me for free aim <laughs> It's uh, either, like, I overshoot it or I don't look enough, and by then I just kind of ride on past them all nonchalantly, and they're just shooting me in the back, wondering why I went past them without a fight. Was, but, there, was there any mishaps in your mission? Mm. <laughs> if the uh, train actually did damage to you, 
that would be a thing. I got pushed by the train for quite a while, quite a ways, actually. Savage, your yeah. horse getting murdered in the process. No, like, the horse and Marston are just, they are just complete troopers. They took that train like a boss and just rode it. It's completely rode it. Either that or the horse is lazy and, it, and what it's doing is letting the train do all the work. Right. Wow. Wow. But yeah, so I just kind of slid along with the train for a good portion of it, actually, instead of doing my job and defending it. Um, so what you're telling me, a valid tactic would be to just have your horse straddle the train, push you along, and then just pick off all the guys. Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, it's essentially getting on the train, except you're on a horse on a train. So it's even What else better. is that shovel on the front for, anyway? Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's horse transport, obviously. It's a horse rack, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's the most interesting thing that really happened during uh, the shooting segment for me, honestly. Um, did you guys have anything cool happen? Later. Well, later. <laughs> in the situation with the train, I guess my horse wasn't a trooper because <laughs> the section where the train goes through a tunnel, I was mm-hmm. in the yeah. tunnel, and then they, they had enemy posted on each side. So you know, uh, I had dead eyes on the other side of the tunnel. Right, mm-hmm. you go into one side; it's unguarded. On the Basically. other side, they're waiting to ambush. Mm-hmm. And they well, got some like uh, Molotovs or something, and some guys yeah. got guns ready to shoot you. So I had dead eyed and took them all out. But I guess I took way too long because the, <laughs> the the train came unexpectedly and just kind of threw me off <laughs> and uh, <laughs> murdered my horse. My horse wasn't a creeper. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't decide to wait for the horse. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to jump on the train. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, can and, you actually get on the train? Yeah. Yes. Oh. So, uh, and then uh, the good captain was just like, hey, get the Sassindu, get off the train. And I was like, I don't have a horse anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to ride this horse till we get into the, we get into the, to the uh, city or wherever the destination right. is. Mm-hmm. So. That was kind of fun. Oh, did he let you? Yeah. I thought you were saying you had a mission failure because he wouldn't oh, let no, you no, ride no. the train. He just, he just kept asking me to get off, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what you're telling me is you're a rebel, David. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Also, also, I have a question, David. Was that your war horse that died? It was. Wow. So my random wild horse is stronger than your war horse. Also, you don't have a war horse anymore? No, I just left the mission. I got my deed and just went to another horse guy. I guess I magically got another war horse because I still have the deed for it in my inventory. Oh, shoot. I thought that, like, when a horse dies, like, it's done. (laughs) Shit. Nah, man, not when you have to get that collector's edition. Lucky. <laughs> Can't let that collector's edition horse die. I have been worried about driving my horse off a cliff and then having a shitty starter horse. So I guess now I don't need to worry. That being said, you still can't be a horse, you know. So that doesn't need to too drastic, obviously. You mean like shoot it like every other horse David meets. <laughs> right. He starts shooting his own horse. <laughs> Maniac! I need blood! <laughs> the game's getting too boring. <laughs> but yeah, so 
essentially after that part, uh, we ride on into the, uh, I guess it's uh, more of an outpost rather than a full-on city or town. Um, I don't actually have the name for that. Do you guys have the name? I do not. Mm-mm. I don't know. I feel like it's not too lawful important either way. It's pretty much a military outpost. That's as much as you really need to know about it. Um, so, yeah, the Santa is like, Hey, Marston, good job, man. Let's get drunk, yeah? And so they head on into the uh, saloon area and start celebrating their little victory against the rebels. But meanwhile, while you and DeSanta are inside the bar, the uh, rebels are doing some Metal Gear Solid type crap and just slaughtering guards that are around the train. And they're like, yeah, yeah, basically. But... Unlike Solid Snake, they failed. And one of those guys got that red exclamation mark over his head. And he's running in there and he's like, Capitan, Capitan, the the rebels, they're they're taking the train and they're going to destroy it and everything. And and while this is happening, uh, DeSanto is still celebrating inside that bar. So he's just like, Marston. Go do this thing. Go go stop the train before it reaches the bridge. Yeah, Marston? Do Meanwhile, me and the boys here are going to continue getting drunk. <laughs> All right. Get rowdy. Woo! So, yeah. Uh, Marston is stuck with all the grunt labor again. And so uh, you exit the saloon, and the train is starting to take off. And so you have to quickly mount on your horse and ride on after it. And essentially, you get behind the train, and the rebels have some guys set up on it all over the train that you gotta shoot off before you can stop it. And so, I just did some regular Deadeye stuff on them. Nothing too fancy or anything. Schmancy um, fancy. Mm-hmm, schmancy fancy. But, yeah, so after I cleared off the train of all the enemies, I rode up next to it in some cinematic moments, and right before the train gets to the end, I leap off my horse onto the train and run up to the, uh, ah, shoot, what's the front of the train called? The, uh... Engine? The caboose. Is it the engine? Yeah. It's not the caboose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know my train terminology. I apologize. The, the engine is the front, the caboose would be the back. <laughs> so, yeah, we run up to the engine and, uh, start pulling on a lever. And as we do this, we get a shot of the bridge, and there is a huge stack of TNT just lining the bridge. And it's, it's on fire. It's lit. It's about to blow. Marston's pulling on that lever, and he pulls it back just in time as the bridge blows up into a fireball flame, and the train stops right on the edge. And so, having just averted a uh, complete disaster... Marston gets off the train, walks over to the now-destroyed bridge, looks over the edge, and lets out a huge sigh of relief. <laughs> ah, saved the train for the Mexican army. Mm-hmm. Except, if you fail, which I did my first try, <laughs> because seeing a train chase sequence, I became very excited and wanted something more than just 
chasing down a train and shooting the guys off of it, so I decided I would board the train much like David did on the first section. Um, how I did this was I, I sniped a few of the guys off while I was on horseback, and then I rode to the front of the train because I figured if I was getting off, I would need some space to get onto the train cars. As I do this, I kind of ram into the train as I'm getting off, and so Marston falls to the ground with blood all over the screen, and uh, I, I tap square furiously to try to stand up before the train is completely <laughs> past me, and I grab onto like the last train car. And at this point, it's really not that epic progressing up the train because I killed almost everybody. But then I kill like one or two guys who were left over. And I run up almost like two-thirds the way up the train. And then <laughs> there's no way to advance from like the ground floor of the train to this next level because it's kind of like the coal cart in, behind the engine. And so... I'm like, oh, shoot, like, <laughs> there's no ladder for me to climb up, but then I see a little, uh, an indicator that keeps popping, saying something about the square button, so I'm obviously, there's some place I can do something, and so I finally find that it's near one of these open doors, because I'm in a cargo cart, basically, with the wide open sliding doors, and, uh, it says that I can climb to top, and I'm like, oh, perfect, and right as I'm seeing this, right as, in, uh, right as I'm trying to line it up, um, I get a notification that says, you have almost failed the mission, like you're getting close to the bridge. And I'm like, oh shit, 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 shit. So I climb up to the top, I jump into the coal cart, and then I jump forward onto the engine. And I'm like, alright, there's got to be a way to stop the, the train from here. And I see... a. a blazing um, just kind of coal the engine I guess I don't know what you would call that other than the engine mm-hmm. I'm like shit I have to put this out cutscene plays and I'm like oh thank god I got it it shows this bridge from far out exploding and collapsing and I'm like oh I hope it's like just showing me this and then giving me some more time and then I see Marston kind of going, whoa, and the train just goes right over the edge, and we all go to our death. All meaning just me and the train. Um, so apparently, if you've boarded the train, and then you get to the front of the train, um, there might be some button to stop it, but I didn't find it in time. So the preferred method is definitely just pressing the button that it says to press when you ride up alongside on horse. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's uh, required that you ride up on a horse because you don't really get to run your like by controlling Marson when you're on the train. It's uh, full on cinematic. So it, right, I'm pretty sure it's prompted like that. So I doubt if you actually go up to the lever as Marston, I don't think you could actually pull it. Yeah, and the. Uh, the thing that I really missed, what made me mess up, was not clearing the train completely while I was on horseback. Because then when I played it the second time and I killed all, like, four dudes, then it prompted me to go to the front of the train and use square to jump on. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> Only I had known. But yeah, Rockstar makes open world games where you can do anything you want except for on train sequences. Mm-hmm. 
Honestly, just just with stopping trains in general, Rockstar doesn't like even Grand Theft Auto Five. Can't stop that train. True, true. Yeah. So that was how I ended. <laughs> Sorry for ruining your perfect ending. That's <laughs> all good. I find it appalling, Chris, that you didn't mention in the opening discussion with Vicente de Santo. Oh, the homoerotic uh, looks that he gives the waiter? Mm-hmm. Our saucy barista, our saucy bartender. I completely (laughs) forgot about that. He gives him some eyes of longing right there. He's like, "Mm, Mm -hmm. I know you want it. You know I want it. We gotta meet up later. Bright pink and blue. Outfit walks out, eyeing everybody, even Marston, being like, yeah. I see you, I see you. And the other just casually just eyeing him the entire time during the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, alright, alright, I see what's going on here. <laughs> I, I was kind yeah. of struggling to see it myself because I, I was definitely thinking that's what they were going for. But the animations that that guy was doing weren't super, um, I don't know, they weren't, like, exaggerated a whole lot. He just kind of looked like he was looking at me a little, so I was like, do I have something on my face? Or are you checking me out? Well, I can't. The, the, the look of the Fanta, though, that look don't lie. <laughs> I mean, the, the animation on the character itself is way more animated compared to the normal AI, so yeah. you could tell he had a little, like, bump to his walk every time he walked away, and he came <laughs> back, and he was just like, here I am. But yeah, there's that. <laughs> I just want to mention before we quit us the next Yeah, you're right, that was a very important scene, Yeah, I couldn't have gone on without that, thank you, David. Mm-hmm. Yep, that random flirtatious waiter was David's favorite character of the game. <laughs> well, upon finishing that mission, at least for me, John Mostyn, I went back to Chupa Rosa to follow up on my good pal, London Ricketts, to see what he was up to. So basically, you kind of just walk into the bar and the cutscene plays, and you see Landon enjoying talking to some couple of uh, the locals. Uh, he seems to have gotten some information, and he sees you walk in, and he's just like, Where in the devil, how are you, Mr. Mostyn? And, you know, after his regular adventures of the the captain, you know, he just tells him, you know, I'm fine. How are you, um, Mr. Ricketts? And, uh, you know, he hears to tell him, like, I'm good. I was just talking to these gentlemen right here, and they were talking about Javier Escuela. And, and and then Marston's very concerned. He's like, well, uh, ask him about them. And, you know, uh, Ricketts with his limited Spanish as well, you know, clearly a little bit more than Polly Marston just asked, hey, uh, do you know some of you know, do you know about Javier Escuela? El hombre, el señor que se llama Escuela es Javier. <laughs> so when I saw that, I was like, oh, God, that's so bad. <laughs> but now I'm looking for your man named Escuela, his name Javier, Javier Escuela. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the gentleman basically says, no, uh, no, no sé. And then Rick just goes to Marsh and he's like, he doesn't know. And then John returns. I, I understand that. <laughs> 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 I don't know how John Marston Let him know that, you know, he's 5'10", and he he should have America in, in town, you know, a big old guy with him. And then Landon's just like, okay, um, 
Javier Escuela con Grande Americano, you know, Escuela with the Big America, basically, or Big America. Completely ignoring, you know, the description that John Marston told him to say, which was 510, but I don't think he really knew his numbers in Spanish. So, you know, <laughs> it's just such a scale with big Americans. And again, the, the gentlemen are like, oh, no, see. And then Rolandon goes back to Marston saying, oh, he doesn't know. And then Marston's just like, um, again, I understand that. <laughs> he raised his hand to be like, I'm not an idiot, you know? Like, and so he says, no. Yeah, I did. Every time that uh, Marston was like, yeah, I pretty much got that, <laughs> were also times that I got it. So I think they just grabbed some idiot at Rockstar like me who <laughs> doesn't know a lick and was like, can you tell what he's saying from that? Yeah, that sounds enough like English for me to completely catch that. Yeah, well, although I and his information was kind of useless, John Marston's kind of a little bit disappointed, but you know, and he begins to continue saying, you know, I've had a conversation with these gentlemen, and Emilio here, this man, uh, he's worried about his sister. It seems like um, his sister's gone missing, you know. These people around this, this part of town can't be trusted. You know, Marston just starts saying, you know, well, tell him I'm sorry. And then Landon kind of gets a bit heated about just the, the simple apology and tells Marston, you know, around these parts, you, uh, you should show a bit more enthusiasm than you're just your apologies. And then... Well, that's the retort by saying, you know, I have a lot on my plate already as it is, so, you know, I'm not the only one with family issues. And then Landon says, you know, in this country, you got to make a choice, Marston. you got to forge your own path. And then Marston, a bit, you know, peeved as well that, you know, he's kind of getting bullied or attacked right now. says, what about you, Mr. Ricketts? You're a man in the living past. What happened to you? You know, uh, you were a big shot and then you ran away from home. What choice did you make? And he tells him, I made my choice. He, told, he tells Marston, I'm a fighter. I fight till the end. And he tells him, you know what? We should get going. You know, clearly telling Marston, all right, you're going to help me whether you like it or not. So, you know, the two exit the bar or the little, the little home area and basically end up boarding a train. And I guess we're going to El Matador or El Mercadero, which seems to be the place. So, you know. You must just basically hop on the train, and you know, it's just a basically quick travel segment where you just have a little shot of Marston on a chair, and it's just like, oh, we're on a train for like two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. Landon's just like, well, the kids tell me this is how we travel in the future, so guess I'll take it and then ride the horses that I had rented out at my destination because I booked them on. <laughs> Uh, encyclopedia.com Is that where you fuck horses? I don't fucking know <laughs> CowboysUSA.com <laughs> Well, you know, basically upon getting to the little the little outpost where the train stops by you know, you, you get your horses and you start going and then you start riding off towards your destination and then as you start riding out you know, the conversation of this uh, woman, Lucia comes up and you know Thank you, Marston. And um, here's uh, here's about Lucia from I guess previous encounters or whatnot. And you know, basically, <clears throat> Lucas is just basically saying, oh, you know, she's an innocent girl. She's a school teacher. You know, she's just uh, a woman in this country. You know, but yet I guess the local government thinks you know, pins are a rebel or something along the lines. And Marston starts to be clear about her being a rebel, about, you know, 
You know, I, I heard about these rebels from uh, the captain, you know. Uh, I hear they do some very bad things, and they're not really knowing what they're doing. And then, you know, Landon just kind of, like, sides off the conversation, like, oh, you don't really know what you're talking about. But it's okay. And he basically retorts, like, I hope that she's okay, and basically says, you know, if anything happens to her, you know, I swear to God, you know, I'm going to mess those people up. It seems like, I guess, she's really, really in a, in a pickle in a, or a really bad situation, it seems like. So, you guys, basically, you guys ride up to a, what I assume to be a butcher shop, basically. Mm-hmm. You Which has got some real cool lighting, can I say? Yeah, I will admit, it's got some real life lighting, actually. It really draws your eye. The moment you enter, you just see the butcher single light bulb. It looks like a horror movie set, so I really <laughs> thought it was going to get, like, epic. But... <laughs> you just chop it away at some meat. I will but... say that the meat chopping, it has some of the most blood effects I've seen in that game, honestly. Well, we meet our butcher man, and we come to find out his name is Carlos, and, you know, then it's like, Carlos, is Lucia still trapped in the cave? And he's like, yeah, she's still there. And he's like, who's this cowboy? And then Marcin's just like, I'm here to help. And then Carlos is like, alright. You know, if Lennon, you know, vouches for you, I guess you're a good guy. And he's like, well, I'll go distract the guards. You and the gringo can follow and get inside. And then, quite interesting, I like how Lennon looks at Marcin, Marcin looks at Lennon, and he's just like, he called me a gringo, but he didn't call you a gringo, but alright. <laughs> <laughs> and he's cementing that Lennon's really like one of the locals now, you know. No, he came from America. He's, he's family here. Yeah, there's a lot of jealousy from Marston because he's like, <laughs> first you're a savior, now you're not a gringo. You can speak Spanish. God damn it. <laughs> what do you know? So yeah, so basically you kind of just go behind the butcher shop and I guess it's right next to the cave because you legit go behind the butcher shop and then go towards the canyon entry and there's a little pathway down where you see the entrance to the canyon where you see two guards posted up and, and then the butcher says you know, Carlos is just kind of like hey, I'll distract them you guys just wait there and you know you got my back he goes up to the guards you know he starts talking to them basically saying like hey como estas how you doing and he's like hi you guys and the police officers are just like hey this is a restricted place you know when we police stuff back off you gotta go and then Carlos being a funny guy I guess he is he's just like Hey, I like your boots. He's like, those are good boots. See, I'm just wearing boots. I have a friend who has some boots like that. And I, I don't know. I guess like the guy didn't really like the, the tone of his jeans or whatever. What did he say? Because he uses his gun at Carlos. I don't know why. And then uh, the guy, you know, being Carlos, likes to be a gentleman. It's just like oh, I can't let this happen. So you know, I whip out my pistol and I do a dead eye and just. Two shots, headshots right there. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> and uh, then begins the whole action sequence, as I guess, you know, I alert everybody in the canyon that I'm there. And, you know, a bunch of guards come in. It's just basically, you know, the shooter section. Kind of reminds you of the, of the mine uh, level, basically, except we're going through a canyon now. So it's not going underground, per se, but, you know. The, it's kind of like a cavern. Yeah, right? so it's, it's like, I would agree, it's a cavern area, basically. So, you know, it was quite interesting is, you know, you got Landon with you as well, so, you know, he actually kind of does something comparatively, I guess, like, granted, not much, but, you know, as AI partners go, you know, Landon actually shoots 
things compared to <laughs> it actually kills people. He's like the marshal. He's he's the guy who if you had three characters you could pick to accompany you, you'd pick him. Yeah. But he's still just an AI. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you know, he, he did something, so that's cool. So you know, you basically go into this cavern and it's pretty linear, you know, you just keep going deeper and deeper. Um, unfortunately, it's unlike the mind level. There is no TNT lying around, which I was quite saddening because I was really in, in the in the mood to just blowing people up. <laughs> but you know, I guess I had to do it the old-fashioned way and just gun and headshot everybody, or you know, shoot them in the chest, one or the other. But you know, you basically go towards the end of the cavern, where you find basically a couple of jail cells, makeshift jail cells, and uh, Landon goes in and he's just like, "Cover me!" and then you know. Some more enemies come through the entrance, and you just gotta keep them occupied till he gets the door open. And you know he comes out, and he grabs uh, you see him grabbing out good old Luisa. But you know, before doing that, you know the way he does it, which is kind of questionable. He kind of like he, he opens the makeshift um, cell with TNT, and quite a lot of it, honestly. For like when I thought about it. Because it's made out of wood, and honestly, he put like five sticks of dynamite, and I feel he can't be good with just one. Because, <laughs> surprisingly, Lisa so is still alive after that. She has no protection. <laughs> Never mind I, I all the say, splinters that went into her body. But. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like this dynamite, though, it is some precision dynamite. Yeah, it, it only destroyed the door. door. I know, that's what blew my mind, too. <laughs> It looks like, my God, either this is some great dynamite, or Ricky is one hell of a demolitionist. Mm-hmm. He's got that, he's got that dead bomb. He's got that dead <laughs> eye bomb. Oh, yeah, man. I definitely think it's that latter option. Ricketts is just amazing. Yeah. So, you know, upon getting Lisa out, you know, basically now it's just slow, low, Marston just shooting through the entire wave to come back outside the cavern. It's not that much enemy love. I think it was five pop back in, and then, you know, it's easy headshot, headshot, headshot. <laughs> and then, you know, you drag him out, and upon getting out, you know, Carlos comes up with his horse, you know, and we put Luisa with Carlos, and he's just like, I'll, t- I'll take her home. And, and you know, that kind of mission, you know, we did good, you know, we did some good. It's all good. Mm-hmm. It really goes well with the title of the mission of Landon Ricketts Rides Again, you know. We get to see the man in action, the legendary man, Landon Ricketts. Yeah. And so you you waltz out of that cavern. I mean, they're enemies, you... but, like, it's it's nothing. <laughs> it's honestly it's nothing. Waltz out like a boss. And uh, do they ride away with, uh, is the girl just basically on the back of the horse? Kind of like, I mean, like, Carlos then she basically gets on top behind Carlos. And, um, well, I guess that as you, before you give her up, you know, she, she, she gives her, you know, humble thank yous to, to Marston and London, you know, like, thank you for the good people there. Thank you for people who even care about our country. You know, you, you do good to the people of this land. And then she happens to mention, um, Javier Squad, actually. Oh, I forgot to mention, forgot to mention that before she heads off. She, she doesn't know who the person is, but she mentioned that one of the men in the prison mentioned him. Or, I guess the military people mentioned his name. Which confirms that, you know, at least he's still in the country. So, not all hope is lost. Yeah, I was just, uh, 
I couldn't remember if she was like still kind of unconscious a little bit, and if we tied her up and like, put her on the back end of a horse. But all right, yeah. So she just rides away normally. Yeah, that's good. She rides across the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we depart from that low area of Mexico to uh, again one of the northern edges. To meet our our old friend now at this point, uh, De Santa at Escalera, and uh, this starts the chapter, the demon drink. And <laughs> for me, I thought this was more of a you know, I, I thought this was like a Native American thing. I thought they called it the demon drink, but I guess we're using it with Mexico. Um, anyway, Marston walks in, and this time, instead of being met at the door of this big fortress, um, we go ahead and we approach these big, large wooden doors that are easily higher than us, maybe like seven feet tall, and I'm like, shit, I'm not going to be able to get in there, they're going to card me or something, (laughs) nada. Walk right on through, approach this beautiful stone staircase to this, like, palace in the middle of the courtyard. And, uh, who do I see on the the broad, like, ten by ten landing of these stairs? But De Santa, standing rigidly at attention as another man in uh, full military regalia is kind of reprimanding him, shouting at him, slapping him a little bit on the booty, saying slap ass, and oh, poor DeSanta looks so uncomfortable for so many reasons. And uh, after about two minutes of Spanish conversation, which I'm sure anybody else would appreciate but me, and I basically just got, hmm, he's in trouble from it. Uh... <laughs> He, this new man kind of turns to us and we see his face for the first time. Ah, yeah, so this new man is a... He's a Fidel Castro-looking motherfucker. Let's just say that. His name is Colonel Allende, the one that we heard DeSanta telling us about prior. And... So this guy is basically the definition of an asshole in a western. He's got that receding hairline. He's got that military outfit, medals on his chest. Uh, he's wearing a black. Uh, is that a overcoat or like a? Yeah, he's wearing <laughs> oh, yeah, a black shirt with coat. yeah military coat with uh, the gold pauldrons and like gold. Um, the like, general's uniform. Yeah. yeah, he looks really nice and fancy. But this bastard has. A fucking, like, one of those evil, like, mastermind mustaches that you could just twirl in a western. And he, he's basically, like, he looks like a dick, essentially, is what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> like his head shape? Nah, it's like his facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> he's got little penises. Yeah, so this uh, penis face man, who turns out to be the big boss, uh, he kind of notices Marston for the first time. He's like, oh, maybe a new victim. And uh, he, he says a few things to DeSanta, basically 
what I understood translated through me was, the fuck is this? And DeSanta goes, hey, he's that hero. He's the dude who the hell, the he up does out. And Coronel, Coronel. Coronel Allende. Yeah, Coronel Allende. Um, it's like, oh, bounty hunter. And DeSanto's like, he's a friend of Mexico. You know what, Coronel? Huh? I, I have, I, this just hit me. This guy reminds me a lot of Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> like, if he was talking to Boba Fett, this is, I can, I can just imagine Marston being Boba Fett and the Colonel being Jabba. Right, right. So now if you would just translate for me. <laughs> Giant slug speech. It's so hard to translate. Uh, that means... Uh, is he a friend of Mexico? Or is he out to get me? Backstabbing sons of bitches. And Marston's like, no. I'm not here to kill you spy on you. I'm not here for any of that jazz. I'm just here to kill my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the colonel's like, uh, so you say, but uh, what if I forced you to watch Mexican soap operas? And Marston looks a little, uh, little worried. He's like, mm. I'd say the same thing, but I wouldn't like it. But I'd say the same thing. Uh, you know, politics are boring. Um, do you know where somebody named Escuela is? And the colonel kind of thinks a little bit on it. He sorts through like the 20 Escuelas he knows. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he's probably from around here. Uh, he, he would fit right in with the rebels, right? Um... Jeez, you know, we give the people of this this country, we give them, like, Jesus, we give them civilization, we give them notebooks, and they don't give a shit. I mean, you give them the three main things a person needs, Jesus, words, and, like, tea parties. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's the tea party. Rebellion. Well, I guess it makes sense now. Um... And so the colonel's like, they think of me as a tyrant. And well, I mean, I, <laughs> I guess I am, but I have to be, because otherwise they'd be out of line. They'd and be Marston, destroying themselves. All right. Marston doesn't understand this line of logic. Maybe he just chooses not to, or maybe he doesn't really understand, but he's just like, uh, doesn't apply to me. Sorry. And the colonel's like, what? Sorry? Uh, why are you sorry? It's just, you know, this is the way the world is. You can't apologize for the way the world is. You gotta smack some bitches up a little bit sometimes. Whip stuff into line. Now, uh, tell you what. Now that I've given you my worldview, how about you help me out? And Marston's like, uh, I already did. How about some information? And as happens so many times to Marston on this adventure, he's put off. 
Is it because it's better for the story? Or is it because Rockstar is pushing for time? I don't know for sure. I mean, it's interesting, I guess. But uh, the colonel's like, no. You gotta fight my fights. Then I'll bite. Nice little rhyme right there. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> so then it's off to Tessaro Azul. Tessaro Azul. Tessaro Azul. Yeah, One I have no idea. Correct pronunciation. <laughs> um, DeSanta and Marston go ahead and ride their horses out of this little via area for the palace and uh, start rut- galloping down this mountain through the city of uh, Escuela? Es- yeah, Escuela. Wait, no. Escalera. Escalera. Escuela's the guy we're looking for. Um... And, you know, De Santo is just like, hey, sorry that the coronel is, like, so crazy, but sometimes you've got to be a little bit crazy. Uh, and so... Uh, I'm trying to interpret my note right now. <laughs> <laughs> Show up, soldiers waited like wussies needed Marston. Mm, yeah, they're oh, outside yeah. of that uh, I, gate to yeah, I just, Azul. Yeah, I skipped, I skipped most of the journey because we're, we're galloping across. It's basically a race. Yeah. We race a little bit. DeSanta loses real bad. <laughs> and uh, Marston walks up to this group of soldiers waiting outside this town. And again, it's got our kind of border wall. We've got that adobe style still. Um but this town, we can kind of see from the outside, looks a little more ragged. And uh, there's this big, fat captain guy who kind of comes up to us, and he looks real squirrely. He's he's hunched over. He's kind of moving his hands around in, like, a, a contemplating manner. I don't know, like he's scheming. And uh, also a little bit nervous, perhaps. He's got one of those classic... Uh, military hats that's man I wish I could describe this eloquently it's got a short brim on the front that's very rigid and then kind of the fuck it I don't know it's a military <laughs> hat <laughs> uh, and so he explains that uh, they were waiting for us and we gotta go inside uh, there are a bunch of rebels hiding in this town so I wait for a few seconds, and three men open the doors in front of me. And once again, they're these large wooden doors, almost uh, identical to those of the palace that I just came from. And Marston just walks right down the middle behind these three escorts. And it's an epic scene that I timed perfectly. Thank you. And uh, I, I, I see just this town that's full of <clears throat> almost like desecrated buildings. They're already in a state of <clears throat> God damn it, I need water. <laughs> They're in a state of disrepair. And I see a head poke out from behind these boxes that are almost immediately in front of me. That the soldiers that are directly escorting me 
are almost level with this guy and could almost just see him to their left. And all of a sudden, about eight rebels pop out from behind their hiding places and open fire on us. And so I run to some cover next to this one man who was popping out who I had seen very close to us. And I go ahead and take him out, flanked perfectly, almost like I was playing XCOM. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then I just kind of get shot from all around, and I die. <laughs> take one. My that sounds try, about like XCOM. <laughs> my second try, I go ahead and rush my hapless victim, that poor man I had flanked before, uh, take him out pretty easily and <laughs> try to maneuver around a little bit more and uh, basically the same thing happens I'm very embarrassed at this point I've died twice in the same situation I'm not learning definition of insanity um, I go ahead and I head for the right flank this time instead of directly approaching my left side victim and uh I kill that first guy who's cowering on the left side and then fight my way up to what I thought was a prison because it has these bars in uh, kind of a narrow window. So it looks like it's barred up like a prison and there's men inside and I'm just kind of shooting through these slats and it's not until much later that I realize this was actually a church. So if you're designing a church to look like a prison, I guess that's your prerogative don't count on people like me to see through it. I'm using these pillars that are kind of in front of the church. <clears throat> and it's kind of got, I mean, anybody who's familiar with this kind of style of like Adobe church in more arid areas will probably recognize um, just sets of like clay pillars in front and kind of this narrow walkway almost like a porch in front of the church but it seems it it's, doesn't have any sort of railings and it just bleeds into the ground surrounding the church right so I'm hiding behind these pillars taking pot shots at many more victims in front of me and I just I see men falling to their death right and left and uh then more pour out from my side, and I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> these pillars aren't going to do a single thing for me. So I retreat a little bit, and uh, as I do, I just run into something off camera for about five seconds and get shot up. And I'm really scared that I'm going to have to try this a fourth time. And uh, finally get around that invisible obstacle and end up taking cover, and there was one man who was just chasing me down, tempting my death. And thankfully, I, I pop him and hope that no more running from around the corner. And they don't. So uh, I, I go ahead and move back up to the pillars and see that basically all the rest have been eliminated by my AI. One AI doesn't do much, but if you have enough, <laughs> they'll eventually kill people for you. So, um, at this point, a cutscene plays and... The fat soldiers, like, oh yes, we finally got what we came here for. And they're pulling a bunch of women out of these huts that are already dilapidated. And they're like, burn it all to the ground. And Marston, he's kind of indignant right now. 
It's like, did I just kill 20 dudes so that we could give that general guy, that colonel, whores? Like, like virgin whores. Like, man, they don't want this life. And the soldiers just kind of like, well, it served two purposes. We, we killed the rebels and we get some honeys. It all works out, buddy. And Marston is like, man, if I was a more upstanding character, I would make a stand. But I'm just going to complain about it slightly and then do what you guys say. And they tell him to go ahead and grab some Molotovs, which we're calling um, fire bottles. We're calling fire bottles in this game. They're not Molotovs. They're fire bottles because there's a copyright on Molotovs. And uh, we we take these Molotovs and we just light up some of these huts. And <laughs> it looks really good as we're leaving. You know, it looks like a, a city that's burning. But you got to take into account that Rockstar already modeled the buildings to look like they were destroyed. <laughs> so it just looks like they're now also on fire. And uh, one of the soldiers just kind of cracks his back and yawns a little bit as he's looking on at the fires and he's like yeah this looks beautiful <laughs> like I don't yeah, it does this evil laugh and Marston's like no what have I done what have I done yeah this is wrong the, the soldier reassures him and he's like no it's definitely gorgeous alright Come on back to town and get yourself some pussy before it runs dry. <laughs> Ugh, disgusting. And uh, Marston's just left to walk out of this town. You actually, it doesn't even like spawn you outside of the town or anything. You have to walk back through the chaos you have sown. I, I tried to just go through the doors that were directly behind me because there's another set on the other side of town, but they're locked for some reason. Apparently to make us feel guilty, and so I walk out with my head hung in shame, looking at the picturesque bell in the in the top of the doorway to the city. <sighs> it's a real low point. Mm-hmm. And so, I want to go back to find out if DeSanta is finally going to get me the information that I need. So, yeah. Um, after that uh, little bit of war crime going on, I actually did feel pretty bad about myself. And on the way back to DeSanta, actually, um, I saw some more soldiers doing uh, bad things to the populace, and I actually decided to intervene here and uh, shot some of the guys that were doing it, and it got a huge bounty on my head, like, <laughs> it, it was quick, too. They were on me, but at least I felt good about myself for a little bit for stopping them, and I didn't actually have to worry about the bounty after all, because remember, Seth, he gave you that pardon. And right. apparently slaughtering a whole troop of soldiers, just it, you can pardon that off. So <laughs> Seth came in in handy in the end there. 
Yeah. So that's just a little. Do you still exciting. question? Do you still have the pardon after using it? No, I don't. I wish I did, but thank no. God at least one thing is balanced in this game. You don't get multiple <laughs> pardons like you do multiple war horses. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that his war horse died still. <laughs> um. Okay. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. So back on the track to DeSanta to get our information. So we walk up to the villa gates again, but before we enter, uh, we see a bunch of men riding out on horses. And then finally, DeSanta rides out on his own horse. He's like, hey, Marston, get on a horse and ride with us because we need you to do shit again. Marston's, he, he's surprisingly really uh, agreeing to this. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I expected him to be like more like, okay, come on now. I've done all this shit for you. I don't want to do anything else. Or at least resist in some way. Enough. You guys are just killing people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We uh, start riding with the Santa, and it turns out the rebels have taken over an abandoned fort called Fort Torquemada? Torquemada. <laughs> Something yeah. like that closest you're gonna get to a pronunciation from me. But anyway. So yeah, they took over that fort and um, that's where we're going to relieve the one guy that's been stationed there to take it back over. Um, the one that we saw during the burning of that little village. Um, his name was Captain Espinoza, I believe. We find out on the way over there that DeSanta does not like Espinoza. They are the same rank, but they hate each other. And it's probably because they want to get some of that good Colonel Allende to themselves. But, yeah. Main thing here, they hate each other's guts, but then they're going to end up having to be commanders side by side. So, yeah. As we ride on to the fort, um, the convoy that we're in, uh, the leader in front of us, gets randomly blown up. I don't quite know how he exploded, but explode he did. He just does. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So, a couple of rebels, um, I'm assuming, just sallied out from the fort and tried to ambush the convoy. Uh, some of their riders came out from the ether and started attacking us. We took them out, and, um,. We then go to the main encampment where Espinoza is. And here we have a bit of a fight between Espinoza and DeSanta. Name calling gets thrown around. Like <laughs> Espinoza calling uh, DeSanta an office boy and saying, Marston, we need to do real men's work. Grab a sniper rifle. And so we now just kind of say, fuck you to DeSanta. And it's like, I like you, Espinoza. And we go over, grab ourselves a sniper rifle, and start sniping some guys up on a cliffside way above us. Why in God's name the army decided to hide or, like, set up camp in this really vulnerable location <laughs> right next to the rebels is beyond me. But apparently they did, and they only won because Marson has a sniper rifle. Right. Don't worry, don't worry, guys. We've got some crates. We stacked them up. <laughs> we'll be good. It'll be 
fine guy. <laughs> Trust in the leadership of Espinosa. Okay. Wood beats bullet every time. Yeah, guys, it's basic science. Come on. I have the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> but well, we have the low ground. <laughs> Take it. From my point of view, I have the high ground. If you're in the opposite side of the world, therefore we are the victors. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so we snipe off those guys that are shooting down on the entire army <laughs> stationed there. And uh, Espinosa then tells us that we have to defend the barricade that's leading up the hill. So we rush on over there and we have a nice little mow them down section where we just, like, they all come in a straight line at you, basically, without using any cover. You can just take your time shooting them all down as you hide behind the barricade. Um, and so then we're told to move forward, push up towards that fort, and clear out the valleys, so we do so. But a funny thing here, I, I'm not sure who this was addressed to, but Espinosa just randomly yells out, what are you doing? I am leading this attack. And I'm not sure if that was addressed to DeSanta, because I, I think he was there during the attack. Yeah. And, I, like, meanwhile, though, I was up in front of everyone, so I don't know if he was yelling at me to let him lead the attack or yelling at DeSanta for some reason. I think he was yelling at you. I didn't... I don't remember seeing DeSanta. He might have come... But I think that comment where he was like, ah, oh, he's just an office boy, let's go do men's work, I think that was basically Rockstar saying, we're not coding DeSanta into this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess I am the best leader that they have. <laughs> and DeSanta, or not DeSanta, uh, Espinosa just sucks. He wants all the glory for himself and takes all the credit. But, yeah. So I let him run ahead. He just kind of sprints up there and gets shot at a bunch. Um, then we have a couple of shootouts um, and some ruins. And here, I think the game was hinting at you to snipe people because, yeah. like, the distance between you and each of the people that were shooting at you was pretty long, but <laughs> I just kind of went around the side and just shot them all regularly because <laughs> I didn't have the patience to snipe them. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be the game hinting at a sniping section. Uh, I definitely sniped heavily. Uh, so much you? so that I ran completely out of sniper ammo because they stop giving it to you after the first couple of positions that you take up. So really? I was disappointed. And then I just switched to my Springfield, which we didn't mention, but we got a Springfield rifle during... Um, Irish's ferry mission down south in New Mexico. So that's yeah. that's worth noting because it is a long range rifle which without a scope. So I didn't even remember I'm picking it up honestly. Loving it. Yeah. I was more in the mode of using the Winchester rifle and just snap aiming. Right, but it was. Uh, I think it was just on the ferry. Like it's, it's just a highlighted weapon that's on one of the boxes yeah. that you mm -hmm. just automatically pick up, basically. Yeah. Unless you somehow avoid it, which I guess is possible. I, it's possible, but I highly doubt you would. That's a small ferry. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to move. <laughs> I had I a real comfy, cozy me. corner. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But yeah, so. After these, uh, like, 
three different ruins that we have shootouts in. We get to the main fort, which is basically like a small little, like, I don't know, group of buildings and walls uh, that's attached to a, like, narrow bridge, basically. And this place was annoying for me to take out just because everybody had cover and they actually had the AI use the cover properly. <laughs> so yeah. at least we had the uh, the uh, Molotovs from the last mission, though, because those are really good for clearing out that bridge. I just threw them all over the place trying to burn them out so I didn't have to like run around and get shot five times before killing one guy. Um, but yeah, so essentially... We clear out the rebel defenders from the fort, doing the entire job of the Mexican army for them. And at the end of this fight, um, DeSanta shows up, and he's just like, Hey, we did it! Now we can celebrate again! <laughs> Definitely wasn't all you, Marston. It was a group effort. And... Marston, he doesn't really care much for, like, the glory of winning the fight or anything. He's just like, all right, DeSanta, where is my information about Escuela and Bill Williamson? And DeSanta is being a little bit of an asshole here. He's just like, oh, come on, Marston, we'll tell you eventually in time. Uh, for now, though, get drunk, get a woman, and let's party. Yeah, we won. Don't ask me about information, Marston. You're not getting it. <laughs> Classic deflection techniques. Yep, exactly. But, uh, yeah, so that it wraps up the uh, mission Empty Promises. Mm. And uh, it makes me wonder about Vincente de Santa. Mm. Oh, uh, right. I forgot things... an important side thing, though. Oh, yes. Um... When DeSanta is talking to Marston about that, we see just how much of an asshole the colonel and the rest of the army is, because they have a bunch of prisoners, like, both men and women, and they're just straight up shooting them off of cliffs, like, point-blank executions. It's brutal. It is pretty nasty. It's just kind of a background set piece that you watch as uh, DeSanta's telling you to go get with some ladies mm -hmm. pretty pretty grim final note I'll say so for me in order for me to really tolerate that and wash it down there's immediately a table where an opponent is waiting to play you in five finger Monty which for those people who don't know what five finger Monty is it's the game where you put your hand out on a table and spread your fingers and take a knife and uh, just kind of dab it between each of your fingers. I thought that was five-finger fillet. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, five-finger death punch. No! <laughs> yeah, it's five-finger fillet. <laughs> anyway. I was going to say, Monty's a card game. Yeah, right. I, I got the two. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I went ahead and I beat my first two opponents, and then a man in a sombrero li uh, scooted into the table, and I, I had to get the heck out of there because I knew, I knew that man had the skills. But, 
Yeah. What a harrowing end to our six chapters in Mexico. Let's uh, let's save the rest for next time, shall we? And uh, the next episode, some questions we'll answer would be Vincente de Santa. Is he bisexual? (laughs) Or is he just talking about fucking women so much to throw other people off the trail that he's gay? Other questions include... Will we introduce that woman (laughs) that we saved (laughs) in the fourth chapter we discussed tonight? Who knows? Yes, we definitely will. We'll we'll take on missions with her. She's the Bonnie of Mexico. Mm -hmm. But you'll see that in the next episode. And of course, if you want more Red Dead Redemption, you can always play the game. Or... You can play the sequel. <laughs> Red Dead Redemption um, 2 in stores now. Right. Boom, boom, boom. It's only $60. What a saving. Um, thank you, mm-hmm. Rockstar, for the for the money you just gave us for that, that sweet, sweet advertisement. But, <laughs> if, uh, only, no. if only, if only. <laughs> we, we don't take your filthy money. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so go ahead and join us next time. Um, we're we're gonna go ahead and beat you adieu for now. Unfortunately, David snuck away in the night in the middle of our podcast. Uh, so unfortunately, you... you won't get a goodbye song this time, guys. Very sorry about this. <laughs> yeah. It, it, instead, we'll provide you with a very sad but fitting for the sad ending. Uh, goodbye chant. Oh, man. Are, are you ready, Chris? I am ready for the goodbye chant. All right. Yeah. Goodbye, people. Good, oh, wait, goodbye, how are we chanting this? People. Oh, goodbye, people. Goodbye, goodbye people. people. Goodbye, people. Goodbye, people. I mean, goodbye, people. Goodbye, <laughs> people. Now you just sound like you're trying to say crab people. <laughs> crab people? Crab people. You know, from mm. South Park. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Tasty, tasty lobster men. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Yep, that's all we got. Mm-hmm. This has been Game Stories Reloaded. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. See you next week. <laughs>